0: Hi, this is Michelle with Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up. If you're here, it's because you are a parent of an addicted loved one and you're looking for hope. Thank you. Thank you for um, dialing in and listening to us today. Today I have Sandy on the line with me. And Sandy met me at our Facebook page, Moms Letting Go. It's a private page. For moms who want to share and find hope um, and with other moms who are going through something similar. So, hi, Sandy. How are you today?
1: I'm very good, Michelle. It's good to to speak to you in person. Yeah, on the phone so a, yeah, <laughs> instead of I just know, Facebook. We, hi,
0: Facebook is that easy easy place to go to and just um, communicate in a flash without really getting to know people. But I, I'm really yeah. trying to reach out to a lot of the moms there um, because everybody has a story. And yeah. um, Sandy is a nurse consultant. Um, she has attorneys who call her um, to work on, Uh, the elderly abuse cases. She has a master's in geriatric nursing. Am I right, Sandy? Did I get that right?
1: Yes.
0: So um, I'm really honored, honored because uh, we need people in Sandy's profession, especially as all our baby boomers start aging here. Um, But Sandy also has uh, a child, a daughter, um, that she'd like to share her story about. And then we're going to talk about Um, Sandy's daughter and her, and what would she do differently if she had to start her mom advocate journey for her child all the way from the beginning? So first of all, Sandy, can you tell us a little bit about your story and your daughter?
1: Sure, and I'll I'll try to make it brief up to the point where she became drug addicted, just because it is a long story. Because she's 37 oh. now, and she's sure. still addicted. So my journey hasn't really oh. ended yet. Oh. Um, Sorry, but I, um, I adopted her at she was like two weeks old when I adopted her, and she was always very bright. I knew she had a high IQ. She um, was amazing in school. She always had kind of an aggressive streak about her, but I tried to, um, you know, calm that down with um, journaling and giving her diaries so she could write her feelings out, all of those kind of things. I got her into counseling in seventh grade when she was in seventh grade because I just felt like she was going to be a difficult teenager. She just had all of those characteristics, but she was always a straight-A student. The more she was challenged, the better she did. When she was 15, she met a boy, and um, that's when she started getting into drugs, which, of course, I was never one to ignore signs and of things like that, coming from the 60s, having brothers who got into drugs and things like that. Yeah, really me is. too. Yeah. You know, I knew what to look for. <laughs> right. And so, you know, the counseling that she was involved in, started focusing more on that kind of behavior, and um, I, the tough love mom, was going to, um, you know, stop her. Uh, You know, you go through that, you go through a time where you think love can conquer all, well, it can't always conquer all. And nice. tough love was the big at thing at the time. However, where I lived at the time, there weren't a lot of support groups or anything like that, and even Al-Anon or Nar-Anon were hard to find meetings for me. I had done Al-Anon earlier, several years earlier, which did help me, but when it was happening, there weren't a lot of choices as far as support groups go for me. I did have her in counseling at 15. She ended up going to rehab because she tried to jump out of the car when we were taking her there to um, just evaluate her. It was kind of fortunate Mm -hmm. she did that because then she's a danger to herself. However, they couldn't keep her long enough. She wasn't there two weeks, and I knew it wasn't long enough. No. The first counselor she had outpatient, I knew he wasn't going to be strong enough for her. And I mentioned that to him, how manipulative she was and... You know, all of those things that the drug addict learns to be Um, And and I was right I mean, within a week she ran away again I mean, it was like running away Mm -hmm. constantly To the point that I literally bolted us in at night Me and her, because her dad worked nights He had gone on night shifts so that somebody would be home all the time Because we couldn't trust her And I actually became the prisoner in my own home because I would bolt us in at night to try to keep her from sneaking out. Um, She was seeing a Mm -hmm. psychiatrist at the time who turned her over to a counselor because he didn't feel like, you know, there was any drugs or anything he could offer, so he turned her over to a counselor. and But he did tell us, you know, maybe you ought to think of getting her out of here for a while, change her environment. I looked into boot camps, very costly and expensive. Most of them told me, well, you know, given what you've told us of what you've already done, it probably won't help. You'll probably be wasting your money, things like that. Wow. And and yeah. I did eventually leave. I was living in the South at the time. I, my, my family, my siblings, my mom and dad were in California. So okay. I took her there for, I think I was like nine months. And it did stop it for a while, but it did, oh. you know, they started oh. gravitating back towards like people and when yeah, that started happening i brought her back where her dad still was i was married to her father still at the time and so we reunited hoping that it had been long enough but within six months she was right back into it all and mm-hmm. to you know there's a lot that has happened since sure. since then and now because she's now 37 several babies born in the mix of it all and um Which she put up for adoption. And I finally cut her off. And it was easy. The tough love was easy to follow when it was just her. Yeah. As soon as babies started showing up, it became very hard because then you're so concerned for the babies. Right. And they use that against you. Oh, sure. What would I do different today? I probably would choose my battles more effectively don't get into their power play, be calm, you know, prepare yourself when you're going to have some kind of interaction with your child. You prepare yourself ahead of time so that you can stay in control and you can stay calm. I don't know that I would use tough love quite as uh, vehemently as I did because it just made her, it was a challenge to her, oh, okay, this is what they're going to do. So I can beat this. I can find a way around this, which she always did. And yeah, so, so it sounds like a power that. struggle. I think I would use more like contracts. I did do a contract okay. with her one time, and she says she signed it. um, Mrs. George Bush. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she signed it. Yeah. And it was a contract setting a boundary. If you don't do this, you know, if you do this, this is going to be what the response is to your behavior. Yeah. So... I would yeah. talk to others, get in a support group, learn how to quit enabling. Okay. Take your life, what, be the one in control. Enabling what was, allows them to wh- continue on even as teenagers. And the law doesn't always back you up. No as it's far so as true. running so what, away from home and things like that. What was um, what was the law isn't always the there words- to back you up. A lot of times they'll protect the child over you. Even though what you have, you know, what you're trying to do is in their best interest. So you plan your conversations with your child. You stay calm. You don't let them take you away from the topic at hand. You say, you know, we are talking about this, not about that. Develop a game plan ahead of time so that you can stick to the conversation. You have a better assessment of the situation going in and how you think your child may react, because usually they're going to react negatively and defensively and aggressively when you confront them with their behavior. Um, Sure. Counseling is a good thing, I think, but you need to be picky about who you choose for counseling, because they're not all very well prepared to deal with a drug-addicted child. The manipulation, you know, it's like a beast takes over. They're very sociopathic, and they know how to answer the counselors of what they want to hear. They learn how to play the counselor. So you have to make sure that you get somebody very strong and that is very educated in dealing with these kind of behaviors. Rehab, the good thing, if you can get them in there long enough, that's a problem with our rehabs today, they're not long enough. They don't last long enough to really change the cognitive, the neuro problems that have gone on in the child's brain. They know now that neuroplasticity can be part of the problem because when the addiction comes in, it changes those brain waves. They can see it on brain wave tests. It changes those neurons and they lose their ability to choose a better course of action. So you have to have them in a program that will last long enough to undo that and through neuroplasticity take control back of their thinking brain with a brain that's going to make good decisions for their life. Unfortunately, most of our rehab programs are not long enough, and they don't all employ those kind of cognitive therapy behaviors that would really go a long way to help solve this problem. And hopefully, while the child's still a teenager or a young adult, I can't, you know, my daughter's on her own now. Whatever she does is up to her. She's been in and out of prison. She's been in and out of rehab. She's been clean for months at a time because of those situations. Only as soon as she's out to go right back to it. Sure. And you really want to know, this is a hard pill to swallow. You know what I would do if it was me with my daughter and what I had to go through with her what I would do is I would take her away from the environment where she's isolated from everybody she's no internet no social media no cell phone she'd do day labor she would be homeschooled and I would probably do that for at least a year and I know a lot of people would say well how can you afford to do that we can't afford to do that you got to find a way that's going to break that cycle, and have a long enough time to change your the brain circuitry, or or yeah. your, it's a losing battle. And well, the only religion only problem- may be able to help you, the Christian. <laughs> Um, there's many Christian programs that seem to be really good if you can get her into one you know your child into one of those, but make sure they're long enough and that and that they have good support afterwards right but right yeah, in my situation, I would have taken her if I knew then what I know now. I would have taken her away for a year where she didn't have much contact with anybody but maybe a counselor to help with cognitive therapy to change that mindset, to change those decision-making skills. Yeah. Because, you know, how the many of them end up dead? T- At least my daughter's not there yet, her for but I do know years. that eventually that could be her, the final chapter in her book if she doesn't change her life. And I grieved her a long time ago. Because it's not my daughter there anymore It's the beast of addiction That runs the show And I've not seen her in over five years Oh, wow um, Because I choose My own health and sanity Over dealing with the beast And I pray for her every day There's not a day that doesn't go by That I don't pray for her And hope that one day Something will trigger inside of her so that she can be and live the life she really could live, you know, have a better legacy than she has right now.
0: So, yeah. Any questions? I understand. Yeah, can um hello So I, I I've been Shoot. Hello. I, I'm here, but Sandy can't hear me. She's been She's having been a little bit of trouble, trouble with her line.
1: Hello. So I, hi Sandy. It's I don't know shelf. where we left off because I think it got dropped again.
0: No, no, it's okay. Um, you, I listened. I tried to um, interrupt, and you couldn't hear me, but I could hear you, and everything was recorded. So, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, uh, and we're still recording. But a few things I wanted to mention along the way. Can you hear me now?
1: Yeah, I hear you now.
0: (laughs) Oh, good, good, good. Um, So uh, as far as, like, your idea of going away for a year and doing what you, um, you know, just leaving her with you so that cognitively she could um, heal the brain, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I have heard of some people who send their kids on, like, these wilderness um, it trails for like a year where they have to you know survive in the wilderness um, and find their way the only thing with you know recommending or even us giving up a year of our life to do that is then we are trying to control the situation and when you go through the 12 steps you learn that the 12 steps of recovery, you learn that the only person we can control is ourselves. And so Correct. that's part of the letting go thing. Um, now, when there's a teenager, that's a whole different beast. But most
1: Correct. of
0: what, yeah, most of what I talk to people about are adult. Um, addicted loved ones, because how we do that is how we handle those cases are different. Because like you said, as long as there's still a child, we have to really be careful with, because nobody understands what we're going through and society and your daughter was manipulative enough to make it look like she was, she was the poor thing, like everybody had to focus on her. But I, I want to back up. To, to the very beginning. Um, and when you said, you know, you had brothers that, I, I grew up with five brothers. And I want to tell you, they, back in the 60s and 70s, they liked to party. And when our son first started using, I just thought, oh, he's just partying. This is a part of teen, teenagers, he'll get over it. And I think what happens with a addicted loved ones is that some kids can drink or use drugs or whatever and they realize that the effect wasn't worth you know like if I have two beers I'm probably going to throw up right so but like for for somebody who's an addict it's almost like that stimulant keeps them going and they don't ever maybe feel that adverse effect it changes their brain differently than it would for me because I don't have the disease and so it's it's very difficult to explain that to people and even even to children I mean I'm raising my 14 year old granddaughter and she says yeah but they chose they chose to do drugs they chose that um and and so there there lies like the huge controversy, right? They may have chosen to party that first time, but after that the brain changes and it's it's then a disease, which I'm still researching and studying all the time, I'm sure you are too. Oh yeah. But um but one of the things you mentioned was neuroplasty. Can you speak into that and what is that?
1: neuroplasticity is the ability of our brain to um, change. I mean, we learn things through doing them over and over again. That's part of neuroplasticity. We, you know, we take on behaviors <laughs> that we do over and over again as part of it's our, the malleability of our brain to learn ways of behavior and ways to react, what we like, what we don't like, and make good choices based on that. Um, right. Which is the right side of the brain is where those decision making skills come from, and what drugs do they've shown on brain waves it alters that decision making area of the brain it totally alters it um, right. even just self talk can cause your brain mm-hmm. to change and your behavior to change you know Dr. Wayne Dyer always said, "Change your thoughts, change your life that 's because self talk creates so much of the problems in our lives because totally. of totally you yes. start feeling yeah. if, if it's constantly yeah. negative self talk you're going to respond and behavior in that way um, to change and, it and you I, use neuroplasticity yeah. again with positive self-talk, and eventually you're going to start responding in behavior to a positive way versus a negative way. So it's really the malleability of the brain to um, change who you are. It's up to right. you. We have the power to do that within ourselves.
0: Which um, I go into I... the
1: book. We I do go into the neuroplasticity a lot in the book. So but and like you said, with the adult, it is different. With adult addicts, you can't grab your child and throw them in a boot camp that's going to last a year. <laughs> you can't take cart them off to some the woods somewhere so that you can homeschool them and and provide guidance. You know what I mean? It is right. You have to have. You know, they can say you give up control. Well, when you have a teenager, you might you might realize you don't have control over that child's behavior, but it's still, as a parent, your responsibility to try to guide them back into a um, socially accepted way of life. You know what I mean? That's still part of your responsibility. And they're still emotionally immature at that age. I mean, they say that the age a person starts drugs, if they start when they're a teenager, is the age they get stuck at. Because right. they don't yep. mature emotionally. Emotionally. Anymore. So, right. Yeah. So it's still your responsibility to try to help with that maturing. And, um, but you're right. An adult, it's a, what I do now is I totally will not speak to the beast. How do you talk yeah. to a bottle of vodka or a right. snort of cocaine? Because when they call you up wanting money, wanting this, wanting that, you're not talking to your loved one, and they're not there. You're talking to no. a bottle of vodka or a snort of cocaine. Right. And if you think yeah. about it, it seems pretty silly that we give them so much voice <laughs> in our lives yeah. when they're acting I, like that, you know, when those, well, that I, behavior this, is out.
0: I think it's because we want them to... Um, b we we lo- we lost our hopes and dreams for that child right. and every time they call it's like we're hoping that they're back again and right. we want it we want it so bad sometimes that um it's almost like we would do anything um to see that but one of the things i wanted to say is when Ryan was in early recovery, that's our son, he's 38, by the way, he said that he he was taught first thoughts are wrong. First thoughts are wrong because he didn't know what to believe in his brain anymore. Like it was, he he would think things and he would think, is that true? Like he couldn't trust his own thoughts. And I remember when he told me that and I thought, what? Like, how can you live like that? It's like they're literally with somebody in his head, like whispering that confounded devil or somebody telling him one thing, and he was starting to believe the lies, right? So yeah. he was he was trained, and maybe that's some of that brain cognitive therapy you mentioned was, you know, first thoughts are wrong. First thoughts are wrong because he was so impulsive, so right. he had to stop and like tell himself you have to stop you have to hesitate for quite a while and um only now he's a year into um into addiction recovery so his his transition has been you know it's a year of intense you know um therapy meetings he's got a sponsor um, drug testing, um, just mm-hmm. uh, he's got a coach. He's immersed in this culture, right? So mm-hmm. the hard part, the hard part is when they they have to return to society. Right now, they're in sober living, so it, it's like you said, it takes. I, I don't know. He just had a buddy who he lost, and that person had been two years sober, still living in sober living. But they never, never thought he would relapse and die. So right. it becomes a whole life of, you know, having to stay into a system, a program. Um, and I don't, I don't know about you, but it, it, I, I can't imagine how exhausting that is. Um,
1: well, I'm sure it that, is, but um, it beats the alternative of eventual death, obviously. Um, But yeah, you're right. It's a lifelong thing they're going to have to battle. And and it's keeping positive. It's finding positive activities versus looking for drugs around the corner and things like that. And learning ways to when they have a trigger that then that beast is in his head saying, oh, go ahead and use. It won't hurt one time. It's finding ways that when those triggers happen to accept the triggers there, become an observer of your thoughts through cognitive uh, metacognition is you become an observer of your thoughts. You put that space between the stimulus and the response to it so that you can observe what's happening and say, okay, this is interesting. You know, do I really want to take that, snort that coke? Uh, yeah,
0: is it really worth it? And, right. You know,
1: it's putting that time in, and, and it's something they'll have to learn to do. I think over time it gets easier. You learn to do that as an enabling mother. I learn to do that as an enabling mother. When my daughter pings me now, but she texts me every now and then, it's usually wanting something that I don't give her. <laughs> and um, yeah. I think, oh, I wonder who's calling me. Is, it, is she, because you can tell by the tone of their voice. oh. I sure, or even their text. Or the yeah. text, yeah. whatever the yeah. text message is, and um, think, oh, this is interesting. Um, we'll see what she has to say and then respond accordingly. Only, But then you're prepared. I don't get, you know, I can still get a twinge in my stomach when I first see her name show up on my cell phone. But yeah. I can quickly diffuse it and put it away because I put space between the stimulus and the response, and I think, okay, this is going to be interesting. Let's see what she's got to say this time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm, respond according to that, you know. Sure. One example, she texted me last year, oh, Mom, you know, it's going to be my birthday. Why don't you... And she she doesn't even remember my birthday anymore. She had not in years. And I don't even know where she lives, right? She goes, why don't you uh, send me a Walmart gift card or something for my birthday? So I just uh, responded back after thinking about it. I didn't text her right away. I wanted to think about it. And I said sent her back i said you know my birthday wish for you is that you turn your life around and have a really good life yeah that you'll make changes and have a really good life and instead of cussing me out which is usually what i would get back she goes amen well that's an opening for me i you know i see a glimmer of hope there
0: yeah yeah. So
1: instead of me falling into the pit of despair, right. which is your usual response, Good girl. I was able yes. to, you know, I've learned how to stay peaceful and calm in it all. Does it mean yeah. I don't feel sad sometimes? No. Oh, of course I do. Sure I wake up do. crying yeah. about her sometimes. That oh, will never sure. go away. But I, do, I had to grieve my daughter, who was that little girl with unconditional love. I had to grieve her death because she's not there anymore. She's yeah. buried down deep somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm you go so through you have to
1: go oh, through those same stages of death and dying of yeah. keebler Ross. Um yeah. where you can it, come to an acceptance for this is the life she's chosen and is and she's chosen a life without her family.
0: Right. And it's accepting that and knowing she's there that's so hard. Super, super hard, right.
1: and I, you know, and but it makes it easier when you quit resisting what is. It's easier.
0: You accept them for where they are, even though we don't like it. Yes,
1: easier right. said right. than
0: done. So right. tell well, me, it is.
1: It's tell, practice, practice, practice. <laughs> yeah.
0: Tell everybody about your book and and a little bit about what that's going to be because I'll when once that's published, I'll have I'll have you back on the podcast again and. Okay, um, you'll be able to share more. So tell us more about what that is.
1: Well, the book, I wrote it in parable form. At first it was a memoir, but oh. then I decided to do it in a parable form because I wanted it to be helpful to those who love an addict, be you a wife, mother, you know, friend, wh- wh- whoever has to sure. deal with the behaviors of an addict that cause so much turmoil in your life. Um so I wrote it in parable form. It's it is it's fictional based on history, my own experiences as well as experiences of other families, other people that I've interviewed and talked to over the course of the five years I've written. It takes kind started it five years ago. Wow. Um, wow. because most of the stories are so much the same,
0: you know? Sure. The pain and is the same. Yeah.
1: The pain is the same in a lot of the situations, the stealing, oh. the manipulation, uh, you know, sure. there's so many things that are the same. So, um that's why I did it that way. It's I'm use, it's a pen name because it is a fictional story okay. and because it is so sensitive, I have made it um using a pen name in it. There it's called Throws and oh, I put questions in the back of each, behind each chapter for the person to read so that they can become an observer of their thoughts while they're reading it. And hopefully, Good. by learning how to do that, you can better handle the situations in your own life with your own addicted loved ones when they come up. And find if I'm yeah. serene, I have a very, I feel. A lot of serenity in my life. I have a lot of joy in my life, which you don't feel a lot while you're on the roller coaster ride. You have to learn to no. get off the roller coaster. Yes. Or else I'll keep te- you know taking you down into those pits.
0: Those right.
1: So what do you do problems. for joy? Do you write
0: for joy? For a journal?
1: Well, I you mean, know this is really I do a lot of writing in my work. <laughs> that was very okay. technical. This is the first book I've ever written. Um, for. I hike a lot. I work oh. out a lot. I travel. Um, I I love to socialize with people. You know things like that. Okay. All my joys. Yes. And just just knowing, just being grateful every day for the abundance I have in my life. You know, it's you, you got to realize you're in the present moment today and even if things are happening outside of you that you can do nothing about how are you as you sit in that chair right now exactly you, you have a to joy. think about that i'm nice. fine regardless of nice. what she's doing out there i'm fine i can have i have no control over her it's bringing yes. awareness into your present moment and by keeping hope is helpful Saying your prayers is helpful because I hope her story will end differently than death. I'm hoping sometime along the way. I don't give that up. But what I gave up is the constant drama, the constant turmoil within myself. I no longer blame myself. It's one of the big things people want to blame themselves, and it's not their fault. Everybody chooses their own path, and you have to accept that. So right. you decide: Do I want to go on a, in on with my life, feeling, you know, anxious and in turmoil all the time, or do I really want to enjoy that at this present moment? I'm okay. Right. And yeah, once you can get to that state, it's easier to handle the dramas that come up.
0: Right. Well done. So that's oh,
1: that's great. My and I find it in my work. It's not like a job. It's part of. I love to teach, the um, which is, you know, a lot of teaching goes on. Even with the elder abuse, working with the attorneys, there's a lot of teaching <laughs> that goes
0: on. Oh, I so, bet. I bet. Yeah. yeah, so you find passion in that, and it becomes joy. Well, thank yeah. you so much for your story and um, just sharing with us everything that you've been through and how, you know, long road you've found joy, um, and we will keep you and your daughter in our prayers and hope that, like you, um, we'll hold on to that amen that she said, that she wants a better right. life now, and she's going to go get it. And um, one day she'll ring her, your doorbell, and you will answer it, and you will see her and not the beast anymore. Gosh, That's what right. this, that That's makes me want to cry. <laughs> yep that's where it is so well thank you so much sandy and i hope hope you have a blessed day today and if if anybody's on the line and you want to meet sandy come uh, join our uh, facebook group mom's letting go and um you can download the book mom's letting go dot dot com it's a free ebook and um start your journey to recovery so you can find joy too god bless